Welcome to the 12th episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about recruiting and job searching. To help us discuss today's topic, we're joined by two special guests, Chrissy Running and Elena Kettner, who are both recruiters and on the talent team at Netflix. Chrissy and Elena, can you give a brief introduction to yourselves of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, my name is Elena Kettner. I recruit for our cloud and platform engineering teams over here at Netflix. I've been with the company for about four and a half years. And my favorite happy hour beverage is, well, really anything that I can get. But also, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a gin girl. So I love a fancy G&T. Well, G&T with a twist. Yeah. Hi, my name is Chrissy Running, and um, I work here at Netflix. I support our streaming client organization as well as our UI engineering organization. I've been here for about a year, and before that, worked at various different companies from startups to big companies. My favorite drink in the moment is wine, but I'm also a martini girl, so I like a dirty martini usually. Nice. So is it favorite wine right now because that's what you're drinking? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's quickly go around the table and give brief introductions for the rest of the panelists. Jem, you want to start? Uh, hi, my name is Jem Young. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. Hi, my name's Sarah Fetterman. I'm a UI engineer at LinkedIn. Hi, my name's Augusta Soon. I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. And I'm Ryan Anklum. I'm a software engineer here at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a UI engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword. And if it's mentioned, we'll all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Opportunity. opportunity. All right. So anytime we say the word opportunity, we will take a drink. So let's get started and talk about recruiting and job searching. I'm interested to know, I know as an engineer, we get reached out to a lot by recruiting. And I mean, I even reach out for hiring at Netflix. But what separates a good recruiter from a bad one? I can share a recent story. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, recruiting for recruiters is just as intense as recruiters recruiting for engineers. So the other day, all of my colleagues and I, we sit in the same area and we get the exact same message from the exact same recruiter at the exact same time. And she literally spammed our entire team of about 20 people without changing a single word. So that would be a bad recruiter. So in, in that case, if you were emailing multiple people from a same company, would you try and change it up a bit? You have to be smart about it. I mean, sometimes... You know, a lot of people don't have much information on their profile, right? And so as recruiters, you want to do a really good job of customizing your message to your audience, right? To make sure that, you know, you're making that person feel wanted, that recognized. But, you know, sometimes you're reaching out to a ton of people and they don't have much on their profile, right? And so you're using a pretty formulaic message because you can only personalize it so much when it says senior UI engineer at LinkedIn, right? But I think you also have to be smart and recognize that some teams are really small and that people talk about these things. I mean, especially if you're in Silicon Valley, you're getting hit up all the time. And I guarantee you that, you know, especially if there's something that's kind of unique about the outreach, you're probably going to share it with each other. So just be smart. So we would time it or we'd set up, you know, for me personally, I would set up calendar invites that says reach out to this person then and reminder to reach out to this person then and definitely not reach out to them at the exact same moment. The worst is when there is like a startup acquisition that you hear about and people go after that startup and you know it's like seven people in a room together and you say like they get the same message from that recruiter, right? That's 
poor form. I mean, if you know that this is a small team or a really small company, you better be going out of your way to really customize your message or else you're just embarrassing yourself in the company. Kind of what we're all saying is what separates a good recruiter from a bad recruiter is effort. Um, Getting a person's name right. Okay, hang on though. I will say that there have been instances in which I have enjoyed a glass of wine whilst reaching out to engineers. And sometimes... Ryan can become Brian. I actually have gotten a pretty good response rate of like when I've realized like, oh crap, I sent the wrong message to the wrong person. Because you know, you have like do you, just a do few you follow emails. up on that? Because like, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So I'll follow up and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Clearly I should not be spe- sending emails at 10 p.m. <laughs> Obviously I know you are Ryan, not Brian. Would still love to chat with you if you'll have me. And honestly, that does kind of sit well with people. I, I might actually respond to that yeah, a little totally. bit easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just weigh in and say the last candidate that we made an offer to, I called him Richard and his name was, we'll just call him John for the sake of this because he has a very unique name. But And we ended up making him an offer, but who knows if I would have gotten a response otherwise. Yeah, you probably caught him off guard. Like, who the hell are they talking to? And that just, that stuck out. That's awesome. That's so, kind of you know, sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what Jem said is going the extra mile is like a huge thing. All even when I'm looking for people for roles that I'm hiring for, I actually look at LinkedIn, GitHub a lot. Actually, I'll go to GitHub and actually look at people's code and actually start to reference some projects that I'm interested in and kind of talk to them that way. I feel like that's more beneficial. I'm actually getting a chance to look at this person to see what they're actually coding and just take that extra time to talk to them about a project. The name thing's huge for me. I just got to say, <laughs> literally almost every other day. Uh, let me read one here. Jemuel, I'm impressed. Subject. Starts off, hey, Jamuel. Like, I mean, my name's right there. It's a very unique name, too. So you've really got to be paying attention to that. And I don't go by Jemuel anywhere on the internet. So it's like proof they just pulled me out of a database somewhere. Like, if you knew me even, like, for a second, you know I go by Jem. It's, it's like lazy. It's just lazy recruiting. That, that's what I call it. I think also just really getting to know your teams. I'm so I'm a recruiting manager, and I so I'm recruiting for recruiters right now. If anyone's looking, um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things is you meet a lot of recruiters who have no idea what their teams really do because. Honestly, it's intimidating learning about engineering when you're not an engineer and being really fearless about saying, I don't know what that is. Can you help me understand that can sometimes be scary. But I think if you're willing to put yourself out there and really just like ask those questions and, you know, be vulnerable about like, okay, so am I understanding this correctly? You're going to set yourself up for success, even just on the phone with potential candidates about a new opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we finally got this opportunity to take a drink. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, if you're having trouble understanding what it is that they do, just being real with them, being like, hey, I'm new to this space, like, help me understand, because I think that human aspect to it, I think that's what makes a good recruiter, right? If you're not trying to be something that you're not, right? And you're not an engineer, so don't try to be one. (laughs) I guess that brings up a good point is how technical should recruiters be? And I talked to a Facebook recruiter about a year ago, and they were actually asking me technical questions. Like, they asked me about scope and JavaScript and event delegation and stuff like that. I mean, I would just be surprised if they actually knew your what your responses meant. You know, I think any recruiter can jot down technical questions that their managers give them. That's more prescriptive. I think what makes a good recruiter is being able to go off the cusp and really talk 
about what the teams do and answer questions. So something that's been really helpful for me in my career is actually shadowing my hiring managers doing their phone interviews. So how do they pitch the role? How do they answer those questions? And then having them shadow me. How did I pitch the role? How could I have done it better? And so Elena said really being vulnerable and trying to understand it at least at the level that I can. Because I think, you know, when recruiters ask you a question, they ask you a technical question, they say, answer A, answer B, answer C. Like that's not really knowing the work. I think a lot of companies, though, don't set their recruiters up for success to be truly great recruiters because I think at Netflix, we have a really amazing opportunity to partner so closely with the teams that we support where they make themselves super available. Like I've sat down with even engineers that... Did I say opportunity? Oh, shoot. Wow. That's twice. Got you guys and myself. (laughs) It's very awkward trying to take a drink while I'm telling an anecdote. Where you have all this access to information and a lot of companies set you up as this paper pusher who's supposed to come in with very little information and very little access to the business and be able to serve up all these resumes. And so you're kind of set up for failure from the get go. So I think there's, you know, there's just being a great recruiter and having the aptitude, but then there's also being a part of a great company that gives you the resources to do that. So, you know, I think recruiters take a lot of flack for it, but it, it, it does kind of, it helps to have the information. So uh, this is something I've definitely noticed, and someone stop me if I'm wrong. There, there is a clear difference between in-house recruiters and like, oh um, yeah, agencies. What do you, agencies. Yeah, there's yeah. it's like night and day. And in-house recruiters are always, always really good, unless like the company's terrible, which happens. But agencies are like almost universally bad. Well, they're not invested in it. Like it's just a numbers game. Like twenty thousand here, thirty thousand here, but they don't know the people that work here. Like Chrissy, you know Ryan, and you say like, oh, he would get along great with Ryan Anklum. And like you know that versus an agency, they don't they don't know, you know anybody, and they don't really care because like once that person is hired, then they move on to the next person. I'll say it depends on the agency. So I came from an agency recruiting background. I think that's what you know my where my roots are and what really trained me to be a good recruiter. Um, but I also think that it's about caring. So I would take all of my, you know, the folks that I'd hire, I'd take them out to lunch and I'd check in, make sure they're happy and really understand what they do. So I think, again, it goes back to the individual, but there are some agencies that it's just, they're purely based off of commission. So it is more salesy versus like genuine and finding the right fit. Well, some internal companies are also numbers as well. Like where Mm -hmm. you, you have to hire so many per quarter. And to me, that's where it's it falls short of bad recruiting at that point. Like, how are you supposed to do your job if you're like, oh, you just have to get 30 people in the door and hired. Well, you're just going to push to hire anyone at that point. Yeah. Before Netflix, I worked through an agency to get the job before I had Netflix. And actually, it was a really good experience. They they actually really seemed to care about me. They did follow up with me all the time. So it's not universally bad, but I'd say very, very high percentages. But there's good agencies and there's bad agencies. There's We've hired some great agency recruiters, but we've also talked to a lot of really bad ones too, just like we've talked to really great and really bad in-house recruiters. I think it's just, it's an industry where there's so many people needed that you do get a pretty big disparity in terms of who's great and who just, you know, is, is butts in seats. Yeah. I feel like it like makes a big difference if for like, at least from my experience, like in-house recruiters, like they can actually comment on what the team is looking for. They like really know, they kind of know the team. Whereas like, at least my experience with some agencies, like, you know, they don't, they, they usually are like, oh, I can't give you that information right now. You know, you kind of have to speak, but are you interested? And it's really hard for me to like comment, like if I'm interested, but I don't know much about the position. Totally. I just send you a Word document with the yeah. position. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's the job record. So here's a question I want to throw out to the group then while we're on the topic of like your initial contact with recruiters. 
How do you feel as engineers about exposing your compensation and what you're currently making on that initial contact with a recruiter? Like, is that something you divulge or? Don't ever do it. Never do it. Do I sense someone's been burned a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) What makes you say that too? Like, why? So you're basing your worth on what you're being paid instead of what the market is paying, which is entirely different things. And like, you can, like, your worth has to do with the market. It doesn't have to do with what you currently make because you could be underpaid you could be overpaid you could i mean usually you're underpaid but um and it like especially if you're a woman and you're underpaid because you're a woman or just the situation it anchors you at a lower salary um you should definitely like give them a range if they really push like what you're looking for but don't ever like reveal the first number and don't ever tell them what you're making that's interesting because I think in working for Netflix, I'm, we're in kind of a unique situation. So Netflix pays very, very well. So I always have that conversation right away with the recruiter. I'm like, this is what I'm making. I don't want to waste anybody's time if you're not going to give me something that's going to... Absolutely. Unless it's anchoring you really high, like you set your salary in the dot-com boom. There are people that did that and it's still not reaching. Or like you're in a situation where you're accidentally overpaid or you're purposefully paid really well. Like... That's great. I think often when when engineers don't, they're not willing to talk about their current compensation, it creates this untrust within the, the candidate and the recruiter and potentially the hiring manager, at least from Netflix point of view, right? So we're very transparent. And so often we're going to be willing to tell you what we think market value is and tell you how we came up with that compensation. So we expect the same amount of transparency. But I do think that the way that other companies approach offers and negotiation creates this environment where people feel that it's not a safe place to talk about that. Well, why do you ask? Like, why do you need to know what a candidate is currently making? Well, for Netflix, we take data points from hopefully everyone that we talk to. So we have a really good understanding of the market. And then what we want to do is evaluate that. And when we hire someone, really make them the best offer that they could be getting for the work that they'll do. Now, that's not why most companies ask, right? I would say that Netflix is very unique in our in our approach to compensation. So, you know, I think that if you're making far less than you would like to be making, I would hold that number pretty tightly to yourself, to be completely frank. Um, and I would really think about your negotiation strategy going into that. I think most people are not very good at negotiation. And honestly, go on Forbes, like look up some articles on how to be a better negotiator because there's a lot of resources out there. You know, I think if you're dealing with Netflix in particular, honestly, you can rest assured that we're not going to lowball you just because we can. That's definitely not the goal. But we're also a very unique company in that regard. You know, I think when someone does or doesn't share compensation, I think the way that you have that conversation is like, if you're going to share it, just share it. Right. You can share that your your feelings about it at a high level in terms of, you know, I feel like I've been underpaid because of X, Y, or Z, but don't spend too much time on it, honestly, because especially in the initial contact, it's just that's not the time and the place for it, right? Let's figure out if this is the right fit overall. But if you're really unhappy with your compensation, you just don't feel comfortable sharing it, it's okay. You don't have to. There is no law that you have to share your compensation. And I think if you're open and transparent throughout the rest of the conversation, that's not going to ding you. Right. But just, you know, I would just keep it short and sweet as my general kind of rule of thumb. And if you're not comfortable, no problem. Right. Like, I think I think we get pretty obsessed with compensation and sharing that, but get very focused on it. So 
I would just honestly go in deciding if you're comfortable or not and then make that a rule of thumb for most companies. Yeah, I think I would add that a lot of the big companies here in the Bay Area at least have preset salary ranges, and those salary ranges have to fit within their leveling of their company. So often recruiters are asking that to determine what level do you fit in at before they even understand your technical competencies. And so I think that you can push yourself in a corner if you're making you know, on the lower range, then you're potentially walking in as a lower lower ranked engineer versus if you're on the higher end and you're above market value, they can make a case to bring you in at a higher level. I've seen that happen multiple times. And so I agree with what Elena said. If you're underpaid, I would hold that a little bit closer to your vest because it could put you at a complete disadvantage. When you're initially looking for a candidate, what, what kind of resources do you use when you're looking, especially specifically to engineering? What are you using to recruit and like look for a candidate and reach out to them? Is it LinkedIn profiles, GitHub, resumes? Like what's the most important thing that engineers out there that can be prepared for looking for jobs with? Honestly, write your resume for recruiters. I think a lot of engineers write their resumes for other engineers. And you have to recognize that you probably have a recruiter with a year or less of experience screening your resume. And they need to be able to crystal clear say this is going to be an obvious fit for this role or you're getting passed on. I think that's the bare minimum. Um, hopefully you get a great recruiter and they're able to kind of parse through your unique experience. But I too often see people getting passed on because, you know, we just don't understand their backgrounds, right? And if you're applying to a role, you know, you don't have that person on the phone to be like, hey, let's talk about this more. So write your resume for a recruiter. I'd say a strong network. <clears throat> so usually I find a lot of engineers through referrals and mining people's networks. So connect to people on LinkedIn, connect to your colleagues, connect to your former colleagues, connect to your friends. Because often if I see someone that's connected to Ryan, for an example, I'm going to go straight to Ryan before I go straight to this candidate. So I think that's the number one thing that I would probably say. I think to Elena's point, also to writing your resume so that it's readable and so that it's understandable. I will say that I really like it when engineers argue back. So when I close out with an engineer and I say, sorry, you're not a fit for X, Y, Z, I like when they say, no, 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 I am and here's why, I will always pick up the phone, hear them out. See, I feel a little bit differently. Like if I am closing out with you, this is not a conversation. <laughs> and there have been times when someone has written really thoughtful responses back, but I think too frequently people are overconfident about, especially if you're, I mean, if you're just passing on a resume, right? I think like hearing why you're a fit is, is useful information, especially if there's just added information that we didn't have going in or like why you're so passionate about that one space, right? But if it's an interview, you and you're getting passed on like I would ask for feedback don't tell them that you are a fit and the person's wrong just to clarify I meant at the resume oh <laughs> resume Great. screen stage I, I think would be interesting to a lot of people because we we speak like we're senior people like we generally don't even send resumes like someone reached out or we reach out to a company and they're like oh yeah yeah we know you but a lot of people that listen to us are like brand new like straight out coding school college something like that how would someone that is brand new Never worked at a big name company. Get your your attention. Go to events. Go. Netflix hosts a lot of meetups. And I think if you can go and build your network again, I think, you know, too many people get behind a computer and they start obsessing over their resume and they obsess over their applications and cover letters. But honestly, if you have someone at a company who can vouch for you, that is the most valuable way to get your foot in the door. So build your network, I would say get involved in projects. Like if your company that you're interested in, whether it's Netflix or any other company has open source projects, 
try to get involved in an open source project, right? Like show them how good you are. You don't have the experience and resume to back it up. So show them with your skills. Like I think that kind of scrappiness and, you know, I think if you can, you know, you can build that experience for yourself. I liked what you said about events too, because I think a lot of the tech companies are doing a lot of events where they actually have people speaking at them. And if you see someone speaking at an event and you're interested in the topic that they're speaking at, pull them aside after they're done talking and talk to them about what they were just talking about and ask them if there's opportunities at their company because more often than not, there probably is and they will put you in touch with people uh, like the recruiting team and, and go from there. On that note, like when I came out here, I specifically came out to the Bay Area for an internship because I wanted to like get into this whole network and I went to like a bunch like I signed up for the Facebook intern Bay Area group I signed up for all of the events like big companies will like send out like recruiting things during the summer when everyone's around like there are career fairs like all the time and I would say probably 85% of my leads came from that that's awesome it's really really easy to get callbacks to Jem's point, I would say the one thing that you like shouldn't do is recruiters get spammed almost as much as engineers do. So a lot of new college graduates or interns will say available for new opportunities. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> um, but really, recruiters are getting hundreds of emails a day. And so what you can do is be really helpful. I'm looking for a new opportunity opportunities. With- <laughs> <laughs> do we have two in machine learning in big data in mobile and i saw positions xyz that look to fit my background otherwise you're asking the recruiter to do a lot of work if you're messaging a recruiter that's working for a google a facebook an apple they probably have thousands of jobs open so if you just say available for new roles at this time um then likely the recruiter is just going to delete your email yeah and in my experience like um I specifically reached out to companies that I was interested in and like I never sent anything besides um, something that was specific to the company like, hey, I want to work at Firebase because I used this on this last project and this was awesome. And like, even if there weren't any opportunities, like I'd say probably 90% of the time, (laughs) 90% of the time I got a response, even if it was to say, no, we don't have anything, but keep an eye on our jobs page. Well, and I think that point, you've at least opened some of the conversation too, which is good. Just because they don't have a position doesn't mean that one won't come available months later, a year later, and you might be top of mind for that uh, later down the road. That's a great point, though, because I think too many people wait for when they're desperate for something new and they can't wait to get out of their current job. And that's where you get yourself into a situation where you're just trying to take that first offer you can get. Figure out what you want to do next. Craft your career and take it into your own hands. And as even when you're not looking, like be searching for those opportunities that are going to get you to that next step. Oh, Jesus. Just trying to get you all drunk so that you can just take that into your own hands. I think that's that's a good point because it's really transparent to not only the hiring manager the recruiter, but the rest of the team when you're running away from something versus running to that next best opportunity. 
And (laughs) (laughs) I see us pass on a lot of candidates for that exact reason of they don't want to work at Netflix. They want to work anywhere else. Totally. Yeah, I really respect someone who clearly has made very deliberate decisions about their career. Like that to me is someone who is motivated. They are thoughtful. They are just on top of their game. How should an engineer prepare for an interview, whether it's a phone screen or an on-site interview? How should they prepare? I'm interested, like, from engineer's perspective, but also recruiting. I think when I interviewed for Netflix, I, I woke up early and I went to a cafe, had some coffee, and just did a bunch of code katas in JavaScript and just got my brain warmed up. And I was ready to write code because I knew it was going to be a code-heavy you know, interview. So I just got my brain warmed up ahead of time and came in ready to write, write a bunch of code. I like to cheat and... Hopefully, a good company will tell you who you're interviewing with. So I'd like to look up who I'm interviewing with. That's not cheating. That's a good idea. (laughs) There's like a lot of tricks you can use, such as ask them a story. Like the more someone talks to you, the more they're going to like you. Like that's just psychology. Um, So if you can get someone to tell you a story, they're probably going to have a higher impression of you. But yeah, I looked up Ryan Anklum. I looked up uh, Mike. uh, People that interviewed me at Netflix and just like found out what they do, a little bit about them. And it never came up in the interview, but it's just good to know. Um, also, what I found, and I didn't do this, but I think everybody else has, looking up if the company's public, look up their uh, investor portfolio just to see like what the company's doing, what the company is about, what, how they make money, like what are different things they're interested in, which is a really good overview of what's happening at the company. Don't forget to check Glassdoor. Yeah, I was just going to say, I always look on Glassdoor. <laughs> I struggle with gra- Glassdoor. I don't know if I should take how much weight I should actually put. On that. Not that much, but it is information that you can use. Sure. How do you prepare for the non-technical interviews, whether that be with a recruiter, an HR business partner, a VP? I think about why I want to work there. And if I don't know, I find out, like, especially if a company is recruiting me. And I, on the technical side, I'll check their, like, engineering blogs if they have them, um, see what they're working on there. Because a lot of times those are really detailed and they're kind of, you know, for people like us. What if you're not sure that you want to work there, right? Like if a company is recruiting you and you're not really convinced about the company, but you're talking to a VP, like what's a good way to basically say, why should I work here? I mean, ask them questions, right? Like it's like ask what their initiatives are and understand what, I mean, I hate the whole like, what's your five-year plan? But something like what, what are some of the top initiatives or things that they're wanting to prioritize? I think that's important to better understand some of the challenges that they're having And I feel like that shows some interest in it. And it also lend itself to knowing whether or not that's an interest for you as well. If you know, like the things that you want and you know what points that company might not hit, like I interviewed with a company that wasn't in the location I wanted. I asked them, hey, why should I come to this location? What's so great about it? Can you like sell me on it? And they were like, oh, yeah, it's great for like outdoorsy stuff. And I was like, well, I'm not really that into it. And they were just like, uh. Sounds like Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) The podcast where we talked about interviews, I I remember a good question that one of you guys mentioned was like asking the manager, like, if you have someone who's struggling, like, how do you deal with that? I think that's like really like an awesome question to ask the manager to see how they will like help the team out or like what their role is you know that is such a great point i mean so often you know you hear about people you join the company you leave the manager right um interview your manager like get to know this person is this someone that you want to work with is this someone you trust with your career because if you don't have a great manager you're not set up for success you're not going to be happy so it goes both ways you should definitely definitely be vetting them just as much as they're vetting you so does that mean you think we should interview by team oh yeah 
But I, I mean, I think it depends on where you're at in your career, right? Like if you're brand new in your career and you don't really know what you want, right? I think it's this model of interview and then see where you best fit from there and having a few options in front of you to choose. I think that's a great option, right? But if you're someone who's, you know, you've been doing this for a while, you kind of have an idea of where you want to go. Interviewing for the team really allows you to pinpoint that perfect opportunity where you're again, going to get to craft your career. Oh, I said opportunity. <laughs> Even to the point where, like, you're asking about interviewing for a team. I also think going back to like the very first question, what makes a good recruiter? I think a recruiter's job is also to help understand what the best fit for you is. Especially at large companies, there's probably multiple job openings, and there's lots of opportunities in that company <laughs> that they can help find. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, I think Google does it interestingly. When a recruiter reaches out to you and you interview with them and you get past all the tech stages, you actually interview all the different teams that are interested in you and you can pick what team you're the most interested in. Although I will add that it's not always a mutual decision from what I've heard, um, especially when you think about not only Google, but Facebook and uh, some of these other companies, the group whom you may want to join has to have the budget to take you on. And so that's something to be mindful of. If you're top of market, let's say you're an architect level. I don't even know. We don't have levels here. So let's say you're an eight, nine, what the highest level is that company willing to take on a six, seven figure engineer. And so that could also be very limiting. So, and I think the other thing I think about is for me, some of my colleagues, who I'm going to learn from, who I'm going to look up to, who are going to be my kind of confidants, um, my partners, you're at work more than you're at home, you know? And so for me, that's extremely important. So personally, I could never join a company where I didn't know exactly what team I was going to. When companies set up their interviews so that they are essentially choosing the opportunity for you rather than it being a conversation. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. I'm the worst. <laughs> so buzzwordy. When they're setting up that conversation around which role you will be stepping into next. If it's a conversation or if it's just them telling you what you're going to do next, that's probably going to be what your career trajectory looks like at that company. They're probably going to tell you which options you have for that next move. It might be a little bit more rigid, right? Versus if you're engaging with them on, okay, what's going to be the best fit for me and you together? That's going to be how your career trajectory looks. So I think you, it's also a window into the culture when you interview with a company. No, that makes that's a very good point. Giving feedback to candidates during an interview process, is that like good, bad, neutral? What should you walk away with if you're even being turned down in an interview? Like, I would hope for feedback. I could come back a year from now, a much better engineer, and knock off all the things I said bad about me and like be a fantastic candidate for the company. But I know, I, I mean, I like to hear from... Uh, recruitment standpoint, but uh, our general theory on the feedback is companies don't give it because they're afraid of lawsuits. Is that true or not? It's true, but in the case of Netflix, we don't worry about it too much because we don't have as much formality and, I guess, accountability as a lot of the other companies do. So I think typically we like to provide feedback at all the stages. So I give feedback after my you know initial phone interview, after the tech screen, during the on-site even when we're going to make an offer, which is interesting. I remember when I got my offer from Netflix, my manager called me and was like, so here are some of the areas where we were a little bit concerned. And um, so do you want to join? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it lets you know that here are some areas where we think you need to grow and where you can grow here and we're still willing to invest. 
And I think every engineer that takes on a new job wants to go into that job knowing that they're going to grow as a professional. And so I really appreciated that aspect. I think where I see engineers shy away from feedback is actually then when I ask it back from them in return. And I will have just given them all this feedback and I say, hey, I know our process isn't near perfect. What feedback do you have for us, how we can make it better? And I'd say only one out of 10 will actually give me legitimate feedback. So I think it also has to be a two-way street because when a recruiter or a hiring manager asks you that question, they're still interviewing you. And they want to say, okay, you're open to feedback, but then the first chance you get to give it, you shy away. That's hard though. I honestly think to even, I get your point too. And I know that that is something that we would look at as like a good thing is like, hey, can you, are you comfortable giving us feedback? But I don't think that's a typical thing in a lot of interviews or a lot of companies where they're comfortable giving feedback. So I struggle with that as being asked that as a candidate. Well, hey, what can we do better in our process? Especially if you may have just turned that candidate down. They don't care. They want to get off the phone. So I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I, I don't know if I agree necessarily with that. Coming from a new college grad standpoint, it's hard to know because you haven't done a ton of this. Like it's hard to give feedback because you don't know what is normal and what's like bad and sometimes it's just a matter of experience. I think it's okay to say, let me think about it. And if I have any meaningful feedback, I'll get back to you. That's a good way to end it too. So when you actually are coming down to an offer, what are the pros and cons of leveraging competing offers? And how should engineers negotiate their way through these conversations? I think it all depends on the way you communicate your different offers to both the recruiter and the hiring manager. It's very obvious if you're shopping around and going just for the offer that's going to pay the most instead of walking the recruiter and the hiring manager through the pros and cons of how you're looking at your next job move. So whether that's I'm interested in this job because of the technology or I'm interested in this because of the impact I'm going to have with the overall company. I think all of those things have much more of an impact than compensation. We all work to make money. So we need to talk about that and be real about it. But if that's your main driver, it's going to come through. Now that said, I think it's absolutely acceptable for you to say, here's the offers I have here. Here's what they're at and do the breakdown and expect something comparable from the company that you're interviewing with. Totally. I think if you have competing data points to solidify kind of what you're looking for, that's just, it's a really concrete way to say, this is what obviously what other companies think I'm worth. This is kind of the minimum that I would be looking for. And it's a great negotiation tactic. Now, that being said, if you're a company that's on the end of a candidate who is really just trying to get competitive data points out of you, it is the most frustrating thing and probably the quickest way to get yourself on the shit list of that company. Because frankly speaking, like if you're, you know, coming to me and, and just trying to get a data point for me, I know, right? Like as I'm talking to you, it's very clear to me that either A, you are telling me what I want to hear or B, that you are not putting in the effort that you would be for a company that you're truly passionate about. So I know. If you are trying to get competitive data points, be smart about it. Choose companies that, frankly speaking, you know pay really well, but you might not be super interested in long term, right? Like if there's a company that you think would be something that you would want to revisit down the road, but ultimately your end goal right now is just to get data points, don't do it because you will burn yourself. You will like applicant tracking systems are real. Those notes will be in there. They will remember that, right? And that leaves a bad taste in recruiters' mouths. It leaves a bad taste in hiring managers' mouths. But 
you know, from the perspective of interviewing, I do think you need to be informed of your value as a talented individual, whatever it is that you're doing. So you need to know what you're worth and you need to know how to advocate for yourself because most companies will not advocate for you. They're trying to get you for the cheapest amount that they can get you. And you need to go into that being able to show your value to the company and negotiate based on that value, not based on feeling. So be smart, go and figure out how to negotiate, talk to someone who's really great at it, but don't go about it with a company that you might want to revisit down the road because I can guarantee you, you will burn yourself. I think it's also worth noting that Glassdoor does not count as a data point. Engineers will often say, well, I looked on Glassdoor and I saw the range was between a hundred and a million. Well, yeah, those are the ranges. You're not in a million. (laughs) So I think the Glassdoor is not a data point. And so it's about your personal market data, not what Glassdoor says a software engineer will make. I think it's even asking and being open like to the community and kind of trying to get a sense for what everyone else that your peers are making. Talking compensation is not an, not something that we're used to talking about. People need to get more comfortable talking about money and advocating for themselves, what especially do do women. Don't have other offers though. Well, like, I think I mean it happens. It's like like my problem was I had like a ton of companies I was talking to, but the timelines never added up you should have an idea what the market is paying like and even though christy said like glass door is not necessarily a point and she's right there's other ways to try and find like what are engineers being paid in your, in your city in your area for your skill set you say that but like i'm constantly floored by finding out how much other engineers make like i thought i made a lot until i started talking to because you people. didn't find that out earlier though right, and you but didn't like, negotiate my that. my data sets like always pointed to me being overpaid for a new college grad whereas like now that i'm talking to other people it's like wow these jumps are ginormous and like the ranges are insane there's just no way to know are they new grads as well yeah some of them and some of them are like less than three years experience I was just going to say, I think the more you interview, the more you are able to juggle timelines so that they line up. And so I would encourage all of you engineers to leverage recruiters and say, here's who I'm interviewing with. Here's where I'm at in the process. How should I timeless accordingly? Because as recruiters, we know you know, Google's going to take X amount of time because they have a hiring committee and this company is going to move really quick because they are startup. And we're able to say, you should interview with us at this time. And here's when we can get you an offer. And so then you're able to look at all of your offers within a few days of a range and make a decision and you set yourself up for success versus like keeping that really close to your chest. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage because we talk to candidates all day long. We know how fast these companies move. And when you're transparent about that, we can expedite the process or slow it down. Like most importantly, we can slow it down so that we're in line with Google, Facebook, and all these other people. Do you ever feel poorly when a candidate tells you like a bunch of companies that they're interviewing with because like I basically interviewed with every like big name that would talk to me and like when I told one recruiter like I listed the places they were like well that's quite a lot and I I guess they got the impression that I wasn't really specific in what I wanted I mean, again, for me, you know, I really want people who want to come to Netflix specifically, right? And there's, they're being really logical about their interview process. When you're starting off in your career search, you're really looking for somewhere that's going to let you come in and grow. And like, you want to learn a lot about your different options. And so naturally, you're going to kind of open up that funnel really, really wide to figure out where you want to go. I think the thing about when you're interviewing or looking for a new job is, 
there is a story that your background tells and your action tells. And it's kind of like PR where they say there's a conversation that's happening about you and you can either participate in it or let the conversation happen without you. And you really need to participate in this conversation and come up with a really good narrative for yourself too. So you understand like, how are you spending your time? Like, what are you focusing on? Why are you looking at these companies? Like, how did you come with that, up with that criteria? And if you can be smart about that and articulate it, like, that makes a lot of sense to me as a recruiter, right? But if you're just kind of going out there willy-nilly, just like looking for different um, companies, then that to me is someone who is really just looking for the best offer that they can get. And they're really not thinking about what's best for them and, again, crafting your career. Like, I think that's just something that's super important to me in someone. Um, but going back to comp data... You should be looking at comp data even when you're not looking for a new job because the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of people out there who are great at selling themselves. They're great at negotiation and that's what hikes those salaries up. And especially for our female listeners out there, like advocate for yourself, go and get data points, like know your worth and get factual about it because if you are not you will be taken advantage of and you really have to participate in that process. And so try to understand, like, how do different companies compensate? Like, what does that structure look like? How do they think about competitive offers? And you can even just ask recruiters just, and if you approach it more in a sense of, hey, I'm just trying to get a feel for like what's out there, not so much as like, I need this information from you because I deserve it you're going to be much more successful in getting that information and and really just being able to look at this in a very logical way. Yeah, I would add that, you know, if you think about the employers that you work for, most companies evaluate their employees annually, quarterly, biannually. So why should we not evaluate our employers? And if we're getting paid, like, are we meeting they're, they're asking us, like, are we meeting their standards? Well, are they meeting our standards? And um, what are they adding to me and my career development and my compensation trajectory? So pull your head out, take a look around, see what else is out there and evaluate. Am I working for the best company that I should be working for? Again, money is not everything. And so choose the opportunity that is going to get you to where you want to be, right? And understand where you're at in your life, right? Like sometimes you're at a point in your life when you need to go for that extra money because you've got a family to pay for, right? And that's important and that's great, right? But sometimes you're at a point in your career when you can take a little bit of a bigger risk and you can go for that opportunity that might not be the smartest one financially. Sorry. Oh my God, I am the worst. (laughs) Or you can go for that position that is going to really kind of feed your career and your knowledge, but it might not necessarily feed your bank account as much. So just so we can dispel this urban myth, as top-tier recruiters, have you ever turned anybody down for trying to counter off? Absolutely not. Like, if someone okay. has legitimate data and reasoning behind why they are looking for more money, I'm absolutely willing to entertain that conversation, right? Calculators around what you should be making in different cities are useless. Glassdoor is useless, right? But if you have legitimate kind of questions and reasoning for why you think you should be making more let's talk about it, right? I want to have a dialogue around it. I might tell you still like, no, you're not getting any more money, but I would never turn someone down for asking why. We the offer is not number. off the table, I guess totally. is what you're saying. So even if I you offered me like 100K and I'm like, I need like 500K and it's like completely like five times more, unrealistic. 
then we would just tell you we think you're overpaid and here's why or we think you're asking for out of market and right. we're not about taking but the you offer out of market. doesn't come off the table right it's like you're just going to help me understand why you've offered 100k versus 500k i think you just again it goes back to how you approach it because if i think you're approaching it more from a standpoint of well help me understand how you came up with this number because i had different expectations like, if you go about it from a reasonable human being to another reasonable human being, you're going to be fine, right? But if you go about it and from a standpoint of like, well, I wanted this much and why aren't you giving me this much? You know, that's just not an adult way to approach the situation. You're not going to set yourself up for success. So again, I think it goes back to the, you know, just the way that you're approaching it. But I would always ask, how did you come up with that number? What data points went into this so that you can understand for yourself too? Like, how does this company come up with compensation? Because that, again, is going to impact the way that your compensation is reviewed later in your career. So about those data points, are you saying basically the only way to get data points is to have alternative offers? No. No, I think it's like doing research and like, and you have to be creative. But you say research, you say... All of these like aggregators are false and yes, that can be difficult to look at something like Glassdoor. It's a point to go look at. Maybe it will help you question that someone's getting paid a lot more than me and it's showing that it might give you to actually start to ask the question. Maybe it is asking other engineers. I mean, like you can't say to a recruiter, oh, yeah, I talked to this other engineer and they're making this much like that's not a real data point. That happens all the time. Okay. And take opportunistic calls. You don't have to go through the entire interview process, whether that's with the hiring manager. Take a call with recruiter. Understand your market value. Talk to other engineers. Connect with other female engineers in the market. But don't use like a relocation calculator or Glassdoor as your source of truth because that's not specific. Look at what are people in UI and web making with my amount of years of experience. And that's going to be the relevant data. But often I do have candidates say to me, this is my data point because my friend that I graduated with is in the same field working for XYZ company and he's making this or she's making this. And I'm like, that's relevant. That's a data point. And that's great. Yeah, I've definitely, it's helped me also understand how is the market shifting. And because I think the thing is, is as recruiters, we have a lot of access to data points from candidates who are looking, right? And a lot of the reason people look is because they're not being paid enough. So naturally, those data points are going to be lower than for those people who are very happy in their roles because they're being very well compensated and very well taken care of. So talk to your peers, talk to your counterparts at companies that have no interest in leaving because they're probably being compensated pretty well. And that's honestly really useful data points for companies that are looking at you to know what your colleagues are making when, you know, they're they're happy and they're not looking. And I think most engineers, if they don't work in the same company, will tell you how much they make. Like if my friend asked me like, hey, John, how do you get, get paid? I'll tell them because like it doesn't affect me and it's good for them for future negotiations. I see a difference in the way that women approach negotiation versus the way that men appre- approach approach. I'm actually glad you touched, touched on that because it is completely different. It's so different. And I think that it's just as women, you have to recognize like you have to advocate for yourself. And I, you know, I think practice with someone, get comfortable with the way that you're asking these questions and presenting these data points. Because for anyone, whether you're male or female or whatever your role is, it can be really uncomfortable and can feel very personal when it comes to compensation, right? And it is. So practice with someone. Make sure you're being very impartial to, you know, your own personal wants and needs, right? And really basing it on the facts. And I'm also a big fan of power posing. I'll just do a quick plug for that. (laughs) 
you haven't watched the TED Talk, you absolutely have. You absolutely should. <laughs> so I, I have a question because I think that you brought up a good point that compensation is personal and those conversations can feel personal. So as the market gets more competitive, I've seen hiring managers take a more hands-on approach with hiring and their engagement throughout the process. So I'm curious curious to hear from the engineers in the room. How do you feel about the hiring manager talking to you directly about compensation versus a recruiter? That's a good question. I think I would put a little bit more weight behind the hiring manager because I can ask them direct questions about exactly what my role would be and kind of how that compensation would play into what my responsibilities are. I think typically I've had recruiting do it for the most part. It's usually at that part that hiring manager is kind of not a part of the process anymore. It's it's usually you're dealing with like the recruiter at that time. I would say overall I'm indifferent, but I do see like the argument of talking to your hiring manager and then like working on with them on a day to day basis, especially if you try to negotiate for hire. Like I don't know if that leads to an awkward. I'd much rather talk to the hiring manager because I can say like, oh, I want to be X, and they're like, well. We can only put you here, but if you work on this, this, and this, I feel like you can have the skills and we can definitely move you to this level. Whereas if you're talking recruiter, it'd be, I think, a much harder conversation. Easy jam. I was your recruiter. (laughs) (laughs) I ask because I've had candidates tell me, you know, I was really disappointed that the manager used his time to, to talk with me about compensation versus learn about my expertise and what value I would add to the team. And I felt like that was really precious time that, you know, I could have used otherwise. I guess that will pretty much wrap up today's episode. But before we finish up, let's go around and share our picks for this episode. Jem, do you want to start us off? Yes. Uh, so I have non-technical picks this time. My first pick is John Hopkins. Kind of a little bit ambient. A lot of just it's good background music for coding. And it's just fantastic. Really fantastic artist. Add it to the playlist. Add, Add it to the playlist. Uh, my second pick is Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I saw that last weekend. And it was terrible. What? It was terrible. I can go on a long rant about why this was the worst Star Trek yet. Why would you I'll make save that you guys. pick? Because I want people to know it's terrible and it was an insult to the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pick. But I want them to see it and then send me tweets about how terrible it was. Okay. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Sarah. So my first pick is an older article from the internet. Um, it's from this blogger. His name is uh, Kalismas. I'm saying that wrong, but uh, that's his screen name. It's about salary negotiation for engineers. It's absolutely the best thing I've ever read about it. Um, it includes, it just gets you in the right mindset. It, he goes through every different scenario that a recruiter might say with you and get, tells you what you should say in that scenario. So it's just like everybody should read that. I read it like every other month. And then my second pick is uh, the Macro, which is YC's um, publication. Um, They've been publishing interviews for like the first employee at companies. So there's one with like the first employee of Airbnb and one with the first employee of Apple. And they're really interesting. You should definitely check them out. Awesome. Uh, Augustus, what do you have for us this episode? Yeah, I'm a nerd. So I have technical picks, I guess. My first one is uh, .singlediv.com. It's basically a bunch of illustrations that is made with just a single div. It really shows the power of CSS, so definitely think you should check it out. And this other one is this HTTP oxy vulnerability that came out recently. I had to fix it <laughs> at Evernote, but um, I think it's like good to raise awareness about that. And like, guys, definitely like remember like security is important. Never hurts to be too safe. Great. Ryan, what do you have? Yeah, my first pick is a link to a YouTube video of the STS-121 shuttle launch. It's just a a bunch of clips from that launch, and the audio is kind of synced up with those clips. And I don't know, there's just something about watching the shuttle go up into space that just 
gives me the tingles. So, um, <laughs> my second pick, um, I think this is actually my first Netflix related pick, but it's uh, Bojack Horseman, the fourth episode <laughs> of season three. It's um, it, it takes place all underwater, so there's really only dialogue before the the main title, and then a little bit towards the end. But it's all. The sound is all adjusted to make it feel like you're underwater and all the, the physics and everything are underwater. It's just absolutely brilliant. There's The music is unique. Uh, the visuals are all unique. So if it's, they don't it's talk, definitely. What happens? It, it's pretty interesting. There's like literally sound interaction, like fish making sounds to Bojack. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's really, really brilliant. He's been talking about it for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So please, everyone, go watch it. <laughs> so we can stop. Elena, what do you have? Um, well, I just watched The Fundamentals of Caring on Netflix. It's a new Netflix original movie and really, really enjoyed it. It's with Paul Rudd and some other people. Oh, uh, Selena Gomez is also in it, which not a big fan of Selena Gomez, but I actually really liked the movie. But um, I've been thinking a lot about The Fundamentals of Caregiving which is basically you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of others, which really spoke to me because I'm a real hippie on the inside. So that's my uh, pick of the week. I and- wanted to like that movie so bad. I really, really wanted to like that movie because I love Paul Rudd. I just... You I- hate Selena Gomez. I was... You know what, though? I was in you know the me, mood for it. some real feel-good shit. So yeah, it was good. <laughs> Drink wine while you watch. Oh, yeah. I was, like, in my sweatpants on the couch with, like, by myself with my wine. It was a good setup. So that's my pick of the week. My other pick of the week is Song Exploder, which is a podcast that breaks down different songs and kind of the meaning behind it. It's pretty awesome. So you like Song Exploder over all songs considered? I haven't listened to All Songs Considered. New pick. That's a good NPR. New pick. <laughs> so my pick of the year is The Culture Map, if you haven't read the book. It's a good book. Um, it's a great book that talks about how companies can successfully do business working cross-culturally and globally. So it gives extreme examples um, of different cultures working together. And it's great if you're looking to expand the way that you interact with individuals from a different culture or if you're in a leadership position, the way that you lead a team that has different cultural backgrounds. So that's my pick of the year. My pick of the week is probably The Night Of, the new series on HBO. Keep you on the edge of your seat even from episode one. So Great. I'm going to pick the React CLI tool. Um, I haven't fully looked into it, so maybe that's bad to pick it, but um, I was reading the documentation on it. It's it's pretty exciting to see that they have a CLI tool to get you started on a project. Definitely that will be useful. And then I have a music pick. I've been, I don't know why, but I've been listening to the Young, Wild, and Free song by Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa and Bruno Mars. Such a good song. It is about weed. I mean, so it's like a happy song. It's pretty old. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I just started hearing it again now, and I'm like... We'll, we'll do weekly picks so that so that Ryan can get up to speed. <laughs> Thank you. So that at least... I'm a little behind on that one, but it's a good if song. If anyone has any new songs that Ryan can listen to, you can send them to rburgess at Netflix.com. Yes. <laughs> Which is actually not my email, but thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. I wanted to thank Christy and Helena for joining us on today's episode. It was awesome having you both. And you've shared a lot of good knowledge. Where can people follow you and get in touch with you? I'm just Chrissy running on Twitter. So I'm Elena SK. My initials spell ask in case you were wondering. So if we have questions for you, we can ask. You You can tweet me, but I might not know how to check that you tweeted me. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to rate us on iTunes and Google Play and subscribe to Front End Happy Hour on your favorite podcast catcher. And join our mailing list. And remember, recruiters are people too. True that.